Welcome to the 423 Soccer Pod. This is Jim, a.k.a. Chad Aguter, and I'm joined here with my always trusty sidekick, Todd. Hey, this is Todd. You can find me at Great Footballer on Twitter when my phone is not dead. Yeah, really. And for this episode, uh, we have kind of hinted at this, and we are sitting in um, kind of a deep, dark dungeon somewhere. somewhere well, I can't really tell you where we are. I, guys, the head, really, the, the blindfolds are unnecessary, but... Um, we're here with the section 109 guys and we're going to do, I don't know, an autopsy, a postmortem, a review, a post-match review, post, I guess, post-season season review. review of 2019 and CFC. So why don't we go around and you guys could introduce uh, yourselves for, for our listeners who, you know, haven't, uh, who haven't, uh, bothered to listen to you guys. Cool. So, uh, <laughs> which is a lot of people. I mean, that's a blessing uh, for them to be honest. <laughs> So uh, I'm Jay. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Buchanan or where I am most prevalent on Instagram at, at letter J. Um, and the uh, bags over your head were necessary because otherwise we would have had to kill you. That's okay. So, yeah. And I'm uh, Andrew Brzee and you can find me at Andrew Brzee on Twitter, um, better known as Breezy. And I'm Matt Coniglio. You can find me on Twitter at Whiskey is Fine. Usually pointing out where we screwed up. Thank you very much. <laughs> he has a tendency to do that with everybody. Yeah. It's like everything. It's like for. everything we tweet. Uh, by the way, yeah. I'm not sure if you're aware. Well, of this. actually, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> just man. Classic, that's the classic. Well, actually, well, actually, Jim. Uh, the the best mansplainer to other men of all time. Listen, I just want to make sure that we get the facts correct so that we can uh, form our judgments based on the right, uh, the the right stuff. What is it? stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, so we're here going to do a review of the year. I guess we start off. I, I'm going to start off with something I haven't talked to you guys about. I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question. How did you enter into this season? We had a interesting. I guess twelve months before the season started. How were you guys when we when CFC kicked off that first time? Uh, I said so. I think from my perspective, I'm a little bit different than them because I was working in the FO during the time um, leading up. So, not that I have any more insight than they do. Yeah, for um, those of you who don't know, FO means front office. Yes. So, and if you're, if, if you just learned that, get out of here. This podcast isn't for you. No, <laughs> wow. No, but really, you I probably I, should not alienate our like four listeners there. Yeah. True. We just went from, we just went from seven to six listeners, bro. No, no we're, we're, this is still the four, two, three soccer pod part. So there's more than that. Oh, so you got, <laughs> oh, so we have your full 12. Uh, I, I went in with pure excitement. I mean, I, I, um, I, I think I started off the off season of last season or let's say July with yeah. a really negative outlook. Um, not I wasn't like depressed or down or any about like the upcoming season or anything like that. I just think I thought differently and I didn't know what was coming. But after some planning by a certain individual that came into the club and did a really, really good job of kind of what he normally does with different startups and he takes businesses um, that are down and kind of in a questionable state and brings them back up. Um, I, I finally gained some confidence. And then I remember the day that the Communicaciones game happened um, my viewpoint on everything changed 100%. Totally positive. And you can probably hear my dog outside right now. Yeah, we can take care of that. <laughs> I think 
for when Comunicaciones kicked off, when we kicked off in that game, you could definitely feel, at least from my perspective, uh, a lot of pent-up excitement. And anger may not quite be the right word, but there was definitely some tension. It felt like a really tumultuous offseason, which it had been, but it felt like it was all coming out in a good way. Like It was like everyone was hanging on every on every kick. It was really, really just... Electric may not quite be the right word because it wasn't quite a playoff atmosphere, but it was much different than a preseason friendly, yeah. and it was against a pro team. So I, I came in really, really, really excited to be out of the um, silly season and, and the craziness and just be back to kicking a ball. And then, of course, when we played really well against Comunicaciones overall with a team that had never played together, with a lot of our key players not playing at all or playing you know two minutes or whatever. Subbing out 10 players at halftime. Subbing out 10 players yeah. at halftime. Like yeah. I, I came away just really excited, enthused, and, and just really, really happy that soccer was back and that we still existed. I mean, I think I'm just going to echo Breezy a little bit here. Um, Shocking. Yeah, I know. It happens a lot. Uh, well, I a, actually, what you meant to say. Uh, there it is. <laughs> I, had a, uh, I had a little bit different perspective uh, just being in, the, uh, being in the press box for that game, uh, calling the game for, uh, for the CFC YouTube channel. Uh, sorry if you had to listen to that. Um, Apology accepted. <laughs> but just, just, seeing, just seeing the people continuously come into the stadium – uh, for that game was was really really awesome and granted yeah a bunch of them were there to were there to watch Comunicaciones and had traveled in to see them um, but seeing after after that off season seeing you know a little over seven thousand people close to eight thousand people yeah was was huge and even if they weren't all there for CFC you know it it, it at least told me that we were going to be okay well and it was an, an expensive ticket. So I echo oh, what you yeah. said, but we're going to be okay. It was an expensive ticket. So mm-hmm. everyone who did show up, because there's plenty of CFC jerseys there, like everyone who did show up, if they didn't have a season pass, they paid a pretty penny. And that was really, really cool to see too. People were definitely, it wasn't like a thousand people showed up because, you know, there was another another team in town. It was, oh, wow, like people are, this is still Chattanooga, soccer is still exciting, let's go again. I'm trying to kind of think back to that period of time and what we had endured like kind of over the you know during the funny season you know mm-hmm. uh, we had had the release I remember being just so excited about the opportunity to buy into the club and and that sort of thing and so I was I really didn't know what to expect but then when you know those numbers started coming out and and how much how many people had bought into the club that level of excitement it just kind of boiled over to like you know okay now we're here to play now it's serious Oh, and there's, you know, 7,000 people here. Like, this is really an amazing thing. And it set such an expectation, a, a new, which CFC had already always set a high bar, but I just thought there was a new level of expectation about what how things were to be done. And Chattanooga was setting the standard across the board for all independent soccer and, uh, and, and maybe just soccer in America, period. And it's not the first time that, that Chattanooga has, has carried that torch and, and been out front. And it was just a, a nice exclamation point uh, in that very first game to justify everything that had happened in the previous six months. So, that's, so when that finally panned out and everybody was, was there, it was, man, it was, it was something else. Yeah, for me, I think it was just a deep breath. It's like an exhale. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, like I felt like I was holding my breath for eight months. And when all those people came in, I had a lot of time to exhale too, because the national anthem took about 
45 minutes. I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> was, I was by my things. Were you still as optimistic after the national? Anthem? I was just happy we were still there and, you know, not like it wasn't the next day and we had to all leave. I was a clean shaven man when that anthem started. <laughs> so you, so I, I felt like I had held my breath for that entire offseason. And that was a chance just to like with all the people there, with the excitement, again, the way we played. Uh, just seeing people that I hadn't seen in a while and just talking, um, seeing the blue shirts. I mean, it was just, you know, on the, you know, on fans and it, it was a, just a big exhale. I don't know that I was, I don't know that I would say, I, I looked around and said, yeah, we're going to be okay. But uh, I felt like we're going to live to fight another season. In that moment, I felt okay. On the field, I knew there was still other battles to be I fought off the okay, field. But in so. that moment on the field, I felt fine. You yeah. know, when we were playing, I'm never gonna feel okay. So. <laughs> not even after Joao scored. Uh, no, no, I, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not against Minnesota. Wrong that game. Was, that was that was. That we was, didn't score, was, but he had the run. That's what I got confused. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so the run was impressive, but yeah, no goal. But yeah. are you saying that that run pretty much encapsulated our entire 2019 season? Whoa, too early. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, I'll go home now. Well, after. <laughs> hey, spoilers are after. Or, uh, okay, concludes. after I messed that up. So It's all right. It's all right. What, nobody will ever know you said it. It's because <laughs> no one's going to ever want to listen to this thing. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, easy, easy, easy. So that's how we felt. You know, we played, what did we play? Uh, four friendlies? Did we play four? Dominicaciones, Detroit, uh, Mobile. AFC Mobile. And the Bug Eaters. Then we played a league game, and then we came back with Real Betis. Yeah, oh, so, yeah so five. five total. Yeah. So how, how do how do you feel? So I I am I do not really put I never really put a whole lot of stock in friendlies. I forgot about Municipal as well. Yeah, Municipal. Well, I mean that wasn't our match technically. It was wasn't a home, but it was still a friendly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I never wrote. But how, how did you feel after after watching those you know watching those friendlies and how we competed? What how were you how were you feeling? I I can start on this one. I don't think we learned a whole lot. So, Comunicaciones, we made 10 subs at halftime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We played against Detroit. Detroit's team uh, had maybe five or six returners uh, and a bunch of guys that showed up in Chattanooga because they were coming from, like, Tallahassee uh, to join the team in town. Uh, and that game, I mean, it didn't tell us anything. We won, yeah. yippee-dee-dee, but, like, at the end of the, end of the, end of the day, no one... No one put a lot of stock into it. And also we made, it looks like, eight subs there. I think I disagree, by the way. Keep going. Okay, well, good. Mobile, no no one could have possibly learned anything from the no. Mobile game. No. Oh, we learned that short goalkeepers are a problem and fast wingers are good. Uh, okay. <laughs> Both those are undisputable facts in that game. Hey, just a quick shout out to Mobile because I went to a wedding in Mobile recently and purchased a AFC Mobile hat. It looked good too. It's awesome. It's in the trash. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I wear it every wow. day. I literally wow. almost wear it. That's every a good day. turn. Sorry, sorry, Abrams. No, it's really yeah, mine. And Sean, shout, shout out, boys. Um, the I think actually the Nebraska game is where is is the first indication that things were going to get a little weird. Yeah. Because we should have won that game by a lot. Yes. We did uh, two to one, right? Yeah, yep. we did not win that game by a lot. Off of a crazy, off of a wonder, off of a wonder goal. Yeah, yeah. So goal aside, let's let's say it goes six inches wide and it misses, and it's two zero. Also, they just so you know they that was an all star team for them. Basically, they brought in that was not their regular season team. Yeah, yeah whatever. I don't care. They'd played. It like, was it was an NPSL quality team. They'd played like three seconds ever together in their life. So sure, but they had. I mean, they they sent guys straight to 
I can straight her, to England. I concur, Matt. That was the first shot across the bow. And, uh, another small shout out to Danny Whitehall, though. Um, yeah, Who? sure. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Oh. Um. Just, just, just kidding. <laughs> I miss you, Danny. Uh, and and I think so. So those four games, and then and the Betis game, and the Municipal game. And granted, we couldn't score against Comunicaciones. We won. We win the other three. And if you really want to be nitpicky with Betis and with Municipal. <laughs> we there are no points in exhibition games, but we literally drop points from a winning position from winning positions in both oh, of those yeah. games. And oh wait, I forgot about the two Stumptown games later on in the season. Also friendlies, one of mm. which where we drop points from a winning position. Yeah. All right, we're starting off awful negative. <laughs> so I, mean, I think we did learn a lot from Comunicaciones. I, I I think I disagree. I think that so Comunicaciones was almost entirely trialists. We saw almost everyone there had not been signed yet. A couple of them had. But for the most part, it was guys try, either were close to signing or we were looking at for signing. So Genki Miyachi, for example, played the entire game as Comunicaciones, best player in the field. Mm-hmm. He looked, he looked t- great yeah, in that he, game. He, he I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what we learned. We learned that Genki was a good player. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we learned that we for sure wanted Genki. And I thought he was a center back. I mean, I think, the, to be fair, the coaching staff thought he was a center back for that game. Um and and you know I have I can make an argument later that he is a center back if you want, but I'm not sure it's true. But I can make the argument. Yeah. Uh, but I think we did learn more from those games. We learned that our midfield was potentially very good against Detroit. Um, Juan Hernandez, uh, Genki, and hold on, Marcus absolutely overran Detroit, dominated that midfield. Mark obviously it took a wonder goal for Marcus to actually score, but we thrashed them in the midfield. We I mean just ran circles around them and and to matt's you know point oh they just brought in guys those three guys had never played in the midfield together ever that's, so it's it's it, true it's not like so it's unfamiliarity versus unfamiliarity yeah like i'm not saying that we didn't have a few more players on our team that had played together but to, to, at least our guys had a you know a day of practice so they they had, they had practiced for on the 7v7 fields this is detroit in detroit for three days prior to the to that game with the exception of the guys that joined them in Chattanooga. Sure, a few of them did join directly in Chattanooga. My point is, like, it's not as bleak as you're making it out to be that we were just terrible against Detroit. No, we beat Detroit. We no, soundly yeah, we, beat we, Detroit. We absolutely knocked the pants off of Detroit. Like, let's not let's not kid ourselves. The, but also, Felipe almost knocked the pants off that dude in the third <laughs> minute. <laughs> oh, oh, Felipe. I, ha- I have um, a picture. Um, they're still very salty about that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. They are very salty about that. And they can be forever salty. It wasn't yeah. a red card, bro. It was just a nice yellow. Yeah. Just a love tap. They're very Caution. salty about that. Okay. I, have a, I have a picture of Felipe getting cautioned um, on that play um, <laughs> um, that I found when I was going back through some pictures Is he this laughing? Week. Um, no, he's, he's telling the referee, no, no, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry, m- yeah. Mr. Referee. I really wasn't trying to set the tone and set the tempo, set the tempo early on that we came to play. Turn up the intensity a little bit. Um, and then I think, so I think we actually learned a lot from those two games. I think against Mobile, obviously we didn't learn a lot because the competition wasn't the level that we wanted it to be, but we definitely got to see a few players who underperformed against Mobile on, on our side that didn't make the cut. I mean, we had all three of those games, we had players that didn't make the team play in. And, and I think we did learn more than we're giving credit for. And then there were uh, two players that played for us against Mobile that did not make the team. Do you want to go over them? Yeah, Mike Scharf had two assists, and Dominic Marvin's had a goal and two assists. And and they were and they were that good in that game. And they still didn't make the team. 
I mean, I could have scored in that game. Let's not kid ourselves. So that's 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 my point. So that <laughs> that game we didn't learn a lot, but we did learn that. Thanks it, for making his point for him. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, that was part of it. Uh, and then against, I, I do agree that it was a shot across the bow when we saw what it looked like against bunker competition. And and all season, and we'll get to this, I'm sure. I think you guys will agree with me. Against better competition, we definitely played up to our competition for yeah. the most part, yeah. or played yeah. down to our competition. And against teams that f- didn't let us have possession, which was Real Betis, we looked very good overall. Um, in, on the break, we were very dangerous. And and against Comunicaciones, we possessed the ball pretty well, but they were definitely dangerous, and we respected them, so we didn't come out as far. And I think that you know that one of our problems in our Achilles heel all year it was not being able to score against bunkered teams, which was. Ultimately, or our score against anyone. Do you guys know right off the top of your head? Was there? Did we ever come back from a losing position to take points during the season? We did. Which game was that? We came back against Georgia Revolution away, uh, went down one zero to win two That's, to one. Yeah. We also on the most beautiful header of all time. <laughs> Longest shot. The, of the most season. NPSL header of all time. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, now that that's jarring my memory. We also came back against. I need to look for it because it was a draw. We're going to call you Statman Matt, uh, even though you didn't do half these stats. Yeah. We also came back against the Michigan Stars at home That's uh, yes, to tie that's, the game yeah, yeah. at one. Because um, Young Kid, what's his name? Steven Junkic. Junk, Junk, yeah, he scored uh, yeah, like the that seventh guy. minute. We, we gained four points this year from, from losing, losing positions. positions. You don't want to know what we gave up. Let's yeah, let's not. That, yeah, I knew we, I knew there would be like a huge disparity between the two. It was twenty three. Jeez. I'm sorry. Actually, no. It was it was uh, it was only it was only 20, to, it was only twenty two. Are you trying to do math in your head? Yes. That's impressive. That's the whole. That's the whole season. NPSL. That includes. Real Betis, that includes Municipal, that includes everything. Okay. So let me ask you this. So, so when, when you're, you're giving out a stat like that, what's the first thing that comes to you guys' mind? Like, what's the issue when you, when, you, when you point out the fact, like, how many, time, how many points you gave up from that position? Like, what is that generally for if you guys? We, if we were winning at any point in the game, if we did not win, then no matter if we draw it or lost, I, I took whatever, whatever points that we gave up. If we drew, we gave up two points. If we lost from a winning position, gave up we gave up three. But is your question, how, what do you think was wrong? Exactly. All right. Yeah. So I got two answers. Let's, let, okay, let's just dive in on this one. I mean, this is really early to go on this, but let's go. Uh, the roster construction lacked a couple things. Um, early on in the season, we lacked cohesion and we lacked shape. So we gave up some goals we shouldn't have given up. Uh, in large from winning positions many times because we could not keep our shape and we did, we weren't disciplined mm-hmm. as a team. So that those were our defensive lapses. And that was the beginning of the season. We had some bad defensive lapses. Towards the end of the season and th- throughout the middle and the end of the season, it was less about bad defense, though we had some bad defense. We had some bad luck. It was mostly about an inability to score. It, we, we Giving up a goal in a game even giving up on average of a season of a goal a game is not is pretty good defense. It's real good defense sure. in a lot of ways. Giving up two goals a game could even be good defense over the a decent defensive team over the length of a season. I don't know what our, our goals were divided up by the games, but I can tell you that in my in my opinion, our inability to score was it because what happened is we would get stretched out trying to score and we kept not being able to score and then we would get Further and further up, exposed. And we would get exposed. And we, we basically only, nay, I can only, I think there was only, outside of the Betis game, there was probably only four goals all season that were not on a set play. 
or not on a break where we were exposed off of us being on a set play or on just getting yeah. getting exposed. We never we when we were when we had defenders back, we didn't get beat. Our defenders were good. Our defensive midfielders were good. We got beat by being out of position sometimes because we were chasing the game and at the beginning of the season because we were not cohesive. And that's what necessitated a formation change in my opinion. And then additionally, we could not score. If we were up two goals at the beginning of a game, that would give us the in the 43rd minute, for example, that would give us the ability to sit back a little bit, to absorb pressure and to break. And we would, this team was dangerous on the break, dangerous, but we could never play on the break for one, because stylistically we just had so much possession in midfield, but number two, we never could get a lead. And if you're going late into a game and you're pushing for that goal, or you give up a stupid goal somehow, or just give up a, occasionally a good goal on a set play for whatever reason, we couldn't defend set plays. Then we were playing on our, we were playing going forward, we were pushing out, and then we were getting beat on the break. So to Breezy's point, and I'm going to leave out the goal that Municipal scored uh, because I've only seen it once, and I don't remember exactly much about it, uh, other than it was semi-late in the first half mm-hmm. of that game. So leaving out Municipal, uh, leaving out Real Betis because Hesse did some things. <laughs> right. Uh, the first goal outside of those two games that was scored against us from the regular run of play, not on a counter, not on a set piece, New York cosmos away. The third goal, third goal. Yep. Yeah. And you know, we've, I've talked to, we've talked about it several times on post-match shows and we've talked about it in the the main pod. And I will continue to say that like, if you want to look at the platonic form of the game, that represents everything that we were just talking about. It's the Greenville game away. I go back to that game over and over and over again. We created some stuff, but we gave up three silly goals from uh, from a set piece, from not paying attention to a runner, losing a runner, and just let him run 50 yards by himself. And then a third throw-in where we'd had no pressure and basically created a set piece off a throw-in. Um, or almost a free kick off a throw in. And I go back to that game over and over again. I've watched it more times than I care to admit um, because it's, it's just everything that I was frustrated with throughout almost the entire season. All this, all the symptoms were present in that one that game. One game for the, me. the only thing we didn't have in that game was, was just a, a stupid giveaway that with led correct. to one pass on a goal. Yeah. And there, I, and the formation issue wasn't there cause we'd already switched. All, correct. All, you know, we, you know, the, the whole four, two, three, one or the two man pivot that we started with or which, we, you know, we, we were, we were playing a four, three, three at the beginning of the season, but it wasn't a four, three, three, like a classic four, three, three. It we was, had two DMS. It was an, you had a six and eight and a 10. In the midfield, you had a three, you had a three-man midfield, but it's a six and eight and a ten, and so your eight was playing up further up. So uh, Marcus was playing as an eight, so he was playing box to box. So sometimes you saw him as a six, sometimes you saw him as a defensive midfielder, but yeah. he was not a defensive midfielder. He was going box to box. Genki was sitting, and Juan Hernandez, whose job was to stay up a little well, bit further. Before, oh, well, no, no, this is I'm talking about after Genki got hurt. Um, Are you talking about during after the switch to the uh, narrow diamond? No, it was before. It was before that. We had like a two. Well, I'd have to go back and watch. I know that I know Valenciano and which game? Oh, you know, I don't. I don't remember. It's just, so I'd have to go back. I know. I'd go so back. So after just, after Genki got hurt, we played against Georgia Revolution, and we played. I guess he's probably referring to the to the Juan Danny Juan midfield. Yes, but that's still more of a. But that's it, still more of a. Danny of a, was of a your six, Danny eight, was ten. Danny was your eight. Juan was supposed to sit and and. 
the other we, one was we didn't to go we didn't make yeah. the formation change until the next game against Inter Nashville. Correct. Yeah, and so that 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 formation, you know, you talked about kind of defensive, um, you know, I guess discipline. You know, we we just had we didn't have a DM in that game. I mean, both of them were just bombing forward, um, and I just I didn't understand what we were doing. Yeah, and and obviously neither neither did they. Yeah, I mean that that was you know one of the problems in in that game. You were talking about the uh, Revolution game at home. Yes, I mean so so the main issue there. Uh, the, <laughs> the the main the, issue there was a particular player had the nightmare of all nightmares and and managed to give up three goals by himself. So so he, yes. I mean he literally passed the ball yes like two yards yep. away to a to a, 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 an opposition attacker who was on the run who slotted it on like first time touch. Then there were two giveaways that led to one pass that was a through ball and Junior and Jamar Oakley scores. Yeah, you're talking about uh, one of our center backs, correct? Yes. Yeah, that was less of. That again, was that was less of of because because Juan Sanchez is when he's playing the six, he's really good about being positionally disciplined. The problem is, the center back makes the pass even no, even if the six is in position. No amount of positional discipline from a six not, not pre- prevents a bad center back pass yeah, or a bad chest pass to yeah yeah that that's true and 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 I you know I think I think we talked about that player um, right after that game. Yeah, I think I think anytime early you know early in the season. And I don't know whether it was not being familiar with one another. I, I don't know what it was, but anytime there was a trend, a transition type of play, we were always in bad positions. Mm-hmm. We were chasing. We had center backs pulled out wide. We had just all kinds of things going on that that anytime that we were exposed by speed or anything, it just all fell apart. And it and it always looked like the other team was on on the precipice of scoring. And I, it was it was nerve wracking to be honest, and I don't know. Like, it seems like after the Georgia Revolution game, you had that change or whatever, and mm-hmm. it seems like things tightened up a little bit from there. I know we went on to do some more formation changes, but uh, I, I kind of going back to the earlier question about you know how I felt about the preseason games. I, I felt a false sense of security. Mm, me too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I well, felt I'm an eternal optimist. I felt a very, very false sense of security. There was a false sense of security about how we for- performed against Batiste, and I think yeah. we wrote a lot of things off to like, well, that was Batiste. Well, that was this. Well, that yeah. was that. When we, I think I was in denial a little bit about the obvious things that I was seeing. I was, you know, yeah. I was dismissing a lot of stuff. Yeah, there, there, so. there was a lot of positivity after the Batiste game, and, it, and then I, I always just went back and said, Jim, this that was a friendly. It is, It does not mean anything and if you ever want to you know if you ever find yourself too invested in the results in a friendly i just want you to remember that we played very well against batiste and then turned around the very next match and laid a huge egg against the georgia revolution well that's because one thing is the batiste players they would give space and allow us to play to some degree uh, in that second half and then as opposed to when you're playing the georgia revolution when they know I mean, the discrepancy is just as big probably between like skill players, right? Between the Georgia Revolution and us. They know they're outskilled, outpaced. So what you they, lean on. They were not outpaced. Not outpaced. <laughs> Jamar, well, yeah. Jamar, no, no, that, that midfield Oakley, was gonna, only Oakley, had pace, but had a right, lot yeah. of pace. But you rely on physicality, right? 100%. So, right. So you have people all up in your grill. They're, sure. you know, they're hacking. It's a totally different game. Yes, I know. Yeah. I know. So, and, we had a, and we had a lack of intensity, I think, because we had had such a good result against Batiste. And – 
yeah, I mean, that was a that was a nightmare of a game. But also transitioning out of this bad period, and we can come back to it, but transitioning out of this bad period, we also went on a seven-game win streak yeah, or seven-game undefeated streak. We don't need streak. to come back to it. Let's just transition. Let's transition. There's Let's a, go now. So we got it. We very much got it together. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the one most noticeable change aside from switching to a, the 4-4-2 narrow diamond. Also, side note, before we Which go we on. we switched out of that eventually. Once we got rid of Real Batiste. MBSL only right now. Once we yeah. got back to once we left Real Batiste, we never got Genki back. Correct. We also Ruben got injured in that game, and yeah. Cam got injured in that game. But the I mean, obviously Ruben got injured in the Batiste game, and then played in the Georgia Revolution game. Then didn't play for a long time. Never got back in the lineup. But losing Genki after the Real Batiste game and warming up in practice for the next game that was a massive loss because they never gelled. And I think you even saw that in the members' cup. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we go on this we go on the seven oh run, but other than the formation change, the biggest difference to our entire team, mentality, tactics, whatever, uh, that cleaned up a lot of those errors, what we found, uh, making a pass that was intercepted, one pass goal. The addition of Everson Lima to the lineup. Why did that matter? Well, <laughs> Lima's been around a long time. He's played, he's played soccer at a lot of different levels, a lot of different continents, uh, and he's someone that the guys respect. And when Lima tells you to do something, you just do it. There's, I mean, there's no one you know, wiser on the, on the pitch. And there's no one the players Lima. are legitimately more scared of. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's that. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's I, absolutely that. I, I was so, so when did he come into the lineup? He, he, so Lima played. He played for like five minutes at the end of the Batiste game. Uh, Lima did not play. Uh, he played two minutes in the Batiste game. Mm-hmm. He came on in the. Uh, Didn't he get a red card? Had a red card. He came on yeah. in in the uh, in the Greenville game. He was still not fit and and got a red card not terribly long after yeah. he came Ooh, on. Was, I remember literally was, watching Fuller apologize to him for putting him in that position after it happened. So putting him in what position? So Lima doesn't play against Georgia Revolution. For for putting him on when he wasn't fit, okay. not ready, not ma- he only exactly. he only played Is this the red card game. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he wasn't fit. It was like you might not be was, fit, but you still can't go man, in on a two footed challenge. That, that that was a horror tackle, man. Agreed. That was, no, 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 I disagree. That was a fantastic tactical yeah. foul. He um, had one job there. He looks up, watch the replay. He looks up, oh, he sees that player in space, yes. and he and he, and you can see him make the calculation. He goes, yes. I can take this guy out, and for sure take him out. Yeah. Because you're the la- honestly you're pr- you're the- almost the last man anyway, so it might it wasn't quite the last man, but it could have been a red anyway. But he decided he wasn't missing. He didn't oh, miss. No, no, he didn't miss. Just one <laughs> foot. Yeah. No, 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 no. If he goes the, in the, with one foot, he gets a yellow yeah. card, and we still probably yeah. win that I game. Mean, it, yeah. Or, or he goes with one foot and misses, misses the tackle because he's a little off his step because he hadn't played soccer. Uh, in about the eight old months. what if. Yeah, well, for, for the, <laughs> Lima's a grown ass man. He doesn't also, mess around. He, Lima had been in the country like four days at that point. All, I, I just want to. I just want to point out as, as we're sitting here having this conversation. I glance over and there is a Everson Lima. What is that? A playing card? Is that a playing card right there? No. Why so am I when, we, when, when we had is Thomas this the in, official Lima fan club. So what <laughs> is that? I mean, I, I, I'll be. I'll, I'll run that train. That's me. I'm, I'm the conductor of the Everson Lima fan club train. Pass me one of those schedules. Yeah, they're the when, schedules. When Sheldon and Thomas were here, these were some uh, Founders Cup schedules that they or Members Cup, whatever the hell we just played uh, schedules. And there's Lima on the right on the front of them, oh, looking, yeah. looking very Lima. Yeah, yeah, looking so very here's here's one more thing about Lima mm-hmm. that made that that was a. a I'll call it a tactical difference because it's it's how the it's way a, that we played. It's a massive tactical difference. In in those first couple games, and even in in those some of those those friendlies, 
we played in such a way that where we tried to keep the ball at all costs at all times. Our you, center backs played the you, ball. You make the pass. Uh, you figure out a way to keep the ball, to move it forward on the ground, you know, keep going like that. Obviously, that led to some issues uh, with a few key turnovers and goals against. Lima comes in, does not play that way. No. What, how at does, all. How does he clear the ball, Matt? Long with way. With prejudice. With extreme <laughs> prejudice. Extreme prejudice. I like that. That's yeah. great. So, so whenever, whenever there was any type of danger, Lima was screaming, clear it. Yeah. When in doubt, whenever, clear it whenever anyone was near Lima and he had the ball, the ball was getting cleared. Yes. It didn't and matter where it was going to go. And he was the only player, almost the only player on the team who commanded that sort of respect when he when he said clear it, players cleared it. If it, I mean, you saw that, and then also I, I was told that like he's a different kind of leader, and as the ranking professional in the team in a lot of ways, the guy who's played in a league that had direct Champions League qualifiers, the guy who's won a, been on a title winning team in the first division of the Czech Republic, a guy who's played in Hong Kong, in the Middle East, who's played in Poland, who's played all over Brazil, like he drew a different type of respect from other players. So when he told them to do something. They did it when he organized. They did it, and they didn't mess around. And I and I think to Matt's point that changed things a lot because what it didn't fix was our pace problem. Right? Lima is was arguably the slowest. I mean, I'm just gonna say the slowest center back on our team. Yeah. And so when we had a pace problem all year, but guess where we didn't get countered on a bunch of times against Lima for the most part. He made yeah. up for it by positional awareness, positional awareness, and being smart with the ball, ne- not no bad turnovers, and and helping the guys in front of him, beside him, be yeah. in the right spots. That's so a, in it's the, a very it, good point. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I I had not really thought about it that way um, when he when he came in. I, I you know it's you know that you need a certain amount of pragmatism in your defense, and sometimes it's like you know that there's, in, you know Todd, I'm sorry, but you know I'm going to do it. That you know there are times when playing out the back, just for playing out the back's sake is silly and there's a team that i follow in the epl that does that some i was gonna say arson wenger cover your ears (laughs) (laughs) but you know so there's a pragmatism to his game that you need and that you know you know that when you start playing and my both of my boys have played started at center back you know you learn when in doubt clear it out (laughs) yeah and that he is he's the embodiment of that and so it's a good point i hadn't really thought of it that way so in those in those first two games against greenville and georgia revolution both at home we give up five goals. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of those five, uh, aside, we'll we'll leave out the the back pass that went awry. But those other four goals are are either a set piece that leads to a counterattack, and then three turnover counterattacks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Five goals, two games. Those seven games in the NPSL. I'm going to leave out Municipal there. Those seven games that we won straight in the NPSL. We gave up three goals. Yep, that's quite a turnaround. It, it especially, obviously, especially obviously if you can attribute yeah. it just to him moving to center back. And I agree, there has to be a certain amount of, of, of pragmatism that comes. And and I, I guess moving, I don't want to jump ahead really to the members' cup, but I, I expected there to be uh, us to be more pragmatic with that because the higher level, you know, quality teams that yeah, we would we'll, play. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. So. But I, I, you know, I also, I also think it's, it's not just Lima. It's the, the idea, you know, moving, you know, changing the midfield, changing the formation. I think our players had a much better idea of what role they were playing, what role they needed to play in the diamond than they'd had 
in that four in that four three three, which I look, which I still think looks a lot like a two a two man pivot, um, which you know, which just went awry. But it still looks to look to me like you know, you, uh, with two deeper players and one player going a little bit more forward. But um, well, the players spoke to that too that they were more comfortable in a in a four four two down. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we asked somebody about that change, and I can't remember who it was. And um, well, if you look at if you look at who played the game uh, immediately following the, the formation change. Uh, Juan Sanchez at right back. He had played in the system before, mostly at left back the year prior. Mm-hmm. You got Lima, mm-hmm. you got Dunstan, who hadn't played it in, obviously in 2018, but had in, I guess that would have been 2014. Uh, wow, that far when, back. Well, so, I mean, Jordan was on the team in 2017, but we were running a 3-5-2 then. He was on the team in 2016, but he was just coming off that, that, uh, that injury. And he played the first part of 2015. We were running the same formation. Uh, but where he had played most of his games prior to 2017 was actually that 2014 season when he was the left center back in the 442 narrow diamond. Uh, so obviously he'd played it before. Gabby Torres, obviously a new player. Mm-hmm. But you look at the midfield, Valenciano had played in it. Uh, although we didn't play a ton of it, we didn't play a ton of it last year. We played a lot of 4231. Uh, and then Marcus, who obviously has played around in the in the lower divisions of Germany for years and years and years, and you can put him on literally any position on the field, and he's going to give you a seven out of ten. Uh, Caleb Cole has played in the system. Juan Hernandez played in the system. Joel Costa not so much because uh, his first year with us was twenty eighteen, playing mostly out wide or up front in the four two three one. And then obviously Zeka had played in the in the in the system for years, although mostly at one of the winger slots. Yeah, winger. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that team immediately going in was used to it. Uh, and, and that probably helped ease the transition a little bit. And also remember, you know, that's the first game or second game really without Genki. So, so, you know, Valenciano is already in the lineup, um, as opposed, as opposed to someone, someone else. Although I think Lanzana gets subbed in that game at some point. So we make the formation change. We go on. So why don't you go through those those matches the Matt. seven game tear yeah the seven we don't need to my favorite seven games of the season <laughs> oh there's a there's an interesting uh breezy pointed out something uh while he was out refilling his wine glass uh, cheers those those seven games we we also had a little bit different dynamic than we had in those in those first couple or in the or the in rest the, mem- of the season or in the members cup we had a healthy mason walsh and mason's one of those players uh, that when he's when he's good, when he's healthy, can just beat a couple of people, make something happen. Yeah, the goal he had against the Georgia Revolution that was yeah, it was top just class. just picked up picked up a ball and just did something with didn't, it. Didn't didn't see it coming at all. So on this on this roster, there were three guys who could truly out of the midfield make their own shot regularly, and they they went in my opinion in this order. They went uh, Joao Johan uh, JJ. Yeah, Joao Johanning Mora. Thank you. Um, and JJ got a job midseason and basically got a really, really good professional full-time job and kind of transitioned out of CFC. He, he's the one who hit the free kick off the bar. The Zeka scored against Batiste. He's an absolutely electric player. He could Gave create, us problems for years. He, can, he could create by himself um, at an at incredibly high rate. He's one of those guys you give a free roll to. Um, Mason Walsh one little half step below that. And Mason, I really think changed us 
in addition to Lima. He changed on the offensive side of the ball in those games because he was able to create goals by himself or by beating guys off the dribble, create a few a goals for other people during that seven game stretch. And he was never healthy or able to play outside of the like truly able to be healthy. And and, and Mason before Mason and after. being dangerous didn't always necessarily translate to goals and assists for himself. But just opened more up, defenders and opened up yeah. places. And he, he occupied people. He yeah. was different than any other player on the field. And then Caleb Cole and Caleb Cole just isn't quite at the level of those other two guys as far as creating his own shot. And when we didn't have one of those, basically when Mason Walsh wasn't operating at his highest, we lacked the ability to have one guy do something special out of the midfield to create a goal. And that I think really hurt us. And I think that was something that was I don't know if a, a problem with the roster construction because you had two guys who could really, really do it and neither one played significant minutes this year. And that's a bummer. But I think it was Lima and Mason during that seven-game stretch that were the difference just on one on one side of the ball and one on the other. So use a football metaphor. It seemed like during during the MPSL season, I think it was we we had talked about it. It kind of got crazy there for a while. We would have a free kick and it looked like we would do everything we could not to play the ball into the box. Like, we would play it short. We would do anything besides pump a ball into the 18. And then you looked at the overall size of CFC, and you were like, what are we doing? But it would just, you know, a lot of times, like nothing would come of these these chances. You at least could have had a ball in the box, but, you know, we'd, we'd take them short. Any any thought? Did you guys notice that? Well, so we, let, we usually would leave one center back back. Because we gave up so many counters offset pieces at the beginning of the year. Well, right. that that was kind of our theory earlier in the season. Well, we just didn't want to expose ourselves for for a counterattack, so it was better just to maintain possession, but So I didn't I didn't notice that. My thought on it is though, if if that was a problem and again I didn't notice it, not saying it wasn't. We also don't have a ton of excellent crossers especially from the right side of the field. We had one excellent crosser from the left side of the field in Gabby Torres yeah. and one good crosser who did not play the first all many minutes in the beginning of the season, Alan Webb. Um, but Alan Webb is not a uh, not he's a beat a guy and cross get to the byline and cross kind of yeah. guy. Gabby's a crosser from any any spot to be fair, and uh, and then Caleb Cole can also cross, but he's also a, a dribble straight at you and create his own shot kind of guy or, or dribble centrally. He's more of a central player, and so I think if if I was to make a, a reasoning for not getting the ball in, is my guess is we did not have guys that could do a good job at freeing themselves up to get a good cross. Well, on the year, I didn't think we did a good job, you know, creating any um, goals off crosses, long balls, free kicks, any of that. Anyway, I didn't feel like we were dangerous. Uh, we 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 scored a couple of goals uh, from long balls, actually. Believe it or not, uh, usually they were balls that went beyond the center backs. Where Alan we Alan never... ran onto and slotted in. Yeah, um, but not as many as you would think with how fast Alan is. And we how... scored, to my recollection. Uh, w- not not including a corner, we scored one goal off of a set piece, uh, and that's the one in the in the Greenville game. I think to, I think to take the lead, maybe to tie it. Not no, it was obviously to take the lead, where ball was played uh, beyond Valenciano gets on it and it trickles back right in front of the goal that Max. Taps yeah, when in. Danny like slid out and had that pass back in yeah. the box. Yeah. but I think that was a symptom of like the reason we didn't get as many goals off of off of crosses on you know on the right side if you have a right back who's a center back trying to cut down that line and get a goal and then if you're trying to play balls over the top that's what I was going to say sorry playing balls over the top you can't beat a bunkered team over the top you can only beat a team if you're absorbing pressure or if they're chasing the game 
over the top. And we did. I mean, I think we could have done it more. We could have played a little differently, potentially, hindsight being 2020. But we, I, I don't know how you play a long ball over the top if the center backs are at the top of their 18 most of the game sure. or, or five yards out of the top of their 18, no matter how fast you are. Yep. I was just, I guess what I was thinking was more in terms of like we would win like free kicks inside our, our you know, their half, you know, maybe 30, 40 yards out. And, you know, we're, we could really put a ball in there. And it just seemed like a lot of times we played it short. There was a stretch in there. Like I said, it may have been during that seven-game stretch that I noticed it, but I didn't know if anybody well, else And did. I think Fuller talked about it in the last interview that you did with um, with uh, Patrick and and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he talked about the lack of folks and lack of players that will go in and battle inside the 18. I don't know how – you know, I, I certainly didn't do this uh, – statistical analysis but you know i would be very interested to see what our aerial duel um percentage is and uh, i feel like we should be better in the air than we actually are i think defensively we were at times really good not not every game right yeah. but i think we were at i mean jordan dunston i don't know yes. how many headers he Defen- won defensively but def- offensively yeah. right so we lacked a, a, a target man we didn't have yes. a true number nine yes uh, we i know we brought two different ones into camp yeah lima at the last match Oh man! Did, did anyone else get super excited when he came in at striker? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe a it was, it was bit. pretty awesome. Oh man! Also, just also a little side note of things that could have been um, in that rained out Nashville game where we scored was it five zero at halftime? How many more could we have scored? Four to zero at halftime. How many more could we have scored? Probably a few. And beating Nashville like ten nothing would have been great. <laughs> so anyway, so I think that's part of it too. Yeah, I don't think we're you know we. We seem, if we look at the team on the field, I think we look like we should be better in the air offensively than we are. Sure. And we just, Definitely. we're just not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He put it to, he put it down to, in that interview, put it down to want to like, you know, you got to have people who are willing to put their face somewhere where a boot's going to be. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, he's a coach, right? So he can, he can say that. I don't, I don't know that I, I never saw, any kind of lack of effort on our team. So I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I was, I've been confused and I've said multiple times, I, I want to, you know, I want a number nine that can, that can hold play up and, 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 you know, kind of play that way and, and have somebody not necessarily because the forwards we have were bad or whatever, just so we have another way to play. It's just another tool. It's another yeah. tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Now I, I, I won't say that we, we ever, there, there was like a lack of effort among our guys at times. I do think that we struggled being switched on. Um, yeah. And and I, I, I'm not sure. I guess there were probably a couple games that we played a full 90 minutes, but there probably weren't many. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's one of the biggest difference, differences between the professional and the amateur game. Bobby Warshaw says that the uh, the difference between your lower level, your, your high level amateur, and your honestly MLS level is 5%. He said, and it's five percent. It's all mental. He said, mm-hmm. physically, there's a, it's ninety five percent the same. There's a five percent physical difference. Everything else is mental. Everything, every little bit above the maybe a five percent difference of physicality, which shouldn't make much of a difference, is all mental. And and I think you see you see that every year when we play in the Open Cup, where we in, in previous years we get to the eightieth minute and we're like tied or we're up one nothing, and then we get beat in the last twenty. Can't hold on. It's not. It's not because the guys aren't. Like they're bad players. It's because it's really, really hard if you haven't been training day in, day out to stay as sharp as can be as you were in the seventeenth minute, as you were in the seventy seventh. Yeah. So maybe yeah. let's let's bottle that discussion about the the difference between amateur and professional uh, 
for a little bit later in the in the episode or in or in the the next episode yeah, so, of you this know, joint I, part. Yeah, so I didn't, didn't cover the members cup. And we did I didn't cover that, Matt, when I when we did the intro. So this is part one of two. So we're here with the one oh nine guys. So we're gonna do kind of up probably through the end of the MPSL season and then break. And we might have some some random questions there at the at the very end. And then we're gonna switch it over uh to the section one oh nine pod for part two of this kind of two part joint podcast uh and that will cover the members cup and then some other questions that that listeners have have given us and i think you know we'll do i think the guys have a that's mp that's so mpsl segment too yay so we anything anything about so we've kind of gone through you know then we have the end of the season right so so we go in the south Asian conference we're in we're in first place oh yeah let's talk about this yeah so so we go into the playoffs in first place uh i guess it had already been predetermined that that uh chattanooga would host if they made the playoffs period, period correct yes that was my understanding it was i mean i think that the teams had agreed preseason my understanding is that the idea was a hand the handshake deal was that if CFC made the playoffs, we would host. Yeah, and and if and whoever won, if we didn't make the playoffs, would then host. But if we, they they all realize that we are centrally located and we have the best facilities, but also centrally located from everyone. No one wanted to bet on traveling to New Orleans, for example, like last <laughs> year. So and and have your game time changed to three o'clock on a random time because Kenny wants to screw with you. So that like no one wanted to deal with any of that. So the preseason, yeah, there was a handshake agreement that but said if CFC won, made the playoffs, won anyway. but we won anyway, so, right? And you're damn right we did. What did we win by? Two points or? I don't think it matters. Player? We won. <laughs> I actually don't remember. I think it was two or three points because I yeah. remember it not being as convincing as I really thought. We did. We well, didn't we, need, we, we lost that. We lost the last game of the season. Right. We did. I mean, we didn't need that. We game. We clinched before that game started. Yeah. We didn't yeah. need that game, which is I one, still didn't like losing the last game is, of the season. I was. I was there. I didn't like it. Yeah. Which is the asterisk I always put. by I mean, I bring up that game a lot because I think it. I think for me, it just it simplifies or it, it signifies a lot of what I what I was worried about. But there's a big asterisk beside that game. We did not need it. And and that so. was the that was the eighth game of that run. Yeah. And and to, to be fair, the players after the game, some of them were super upset that they didn't win because they were they were very very up for it. And and a few of them had that were definitely knew they had already clinched and were not as sharp. And I'm not naming in particular players, but you could definitely see there there was a definitely a difference in mentality. It was mixed. Um, not yeah, everybody was on not, the same not page. Everyone, and a lot of people were like, "All right, we clinched, cool." And I'm not mad that those players were like that. They they won seven in a row. To, right. If we're being like on, and, and, not and emotional, like, like winning seven in a row and then losing one is not that when you already clinched, like it's not that big a deal. It and hurt, like five though. games in like twelve days or yes. something stupid. Correct. But yeah, there there yeah. is that whole MPSL perspective. <laughs> right. But yeah. Matt Matt and I driving back to our hotel and then going out and getting food and then driving home the next morning to make the women's world cup final, it was miserable. Yeah, we, it wasn't great. It didn't feel good. But you know, that's us being emotional fans, right? Not us being like <laughs> normal, sorry. pragmatic, like, hey, it's cool. We just clinched. Like we were just, you know, being Silly emotional people. So, so how did you guys feel about the playoffs, the performance? I mean, I, I felt like we were always should have won the Southeastern Conference playoffs. Who's your Who's your MVP of the playoffs? Before we start, because we all know the result. Who's your MVP of the playoffs? It's the referee that sent Mason Walsh off. <laughs> I was I was getting ready to <laughs> I say, say Webb. I was whoever, whoever the acting coach was. I, I I so he's not even for Nashville. Playing. Yes, for Nashville. Yeah. I mean, we, were, we were talking about Mason's skills and uh, that, like, I think we talked about it in previous podcasts that uh, we weren't, like, we were playing okay in that game, but um, we hadn't done anything to change the way it was going. And after that red card, we were so 
pissed oh, off. Oh, it was amazing. It was just like a light bulb it was went ama- off. It was amazing. Like if I, I swear, if we played, if we played that angry, the rest of the season. We beat everyone but Miami. Yes. Just give everybody pipes mentality, yes. and we'd have been well, great. That's true. Well, and, and that game, and that game against that Nashville, got a little bit I mean, we, I felt like in, yeah. once that red card happened, we could have went down to seven guys, yep. and, yeah. and it did not matter. You could yeah. tell the mentality; they were just like, "Give me the freaking ball." It was, it was Webb's, like it was Webb's header. We're right? about to yeah. boss this. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, and I will Off still say, cross, yeah. and I will still say that's my goal of the season. I don't care what you Ooh, said. you guys want to talk goal of the season? That's one of the questions I put in the show. Okay, can we can we wait until we finish the season? Yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait. But I'm just going ahead and tell everybody. I don't care what you say. The the feeling that was a 2009 to 2016 mm. CFC feeling when that goal went in. 100. And, and I hadn't felt that way in a couple of years. And uh, so anyway, but so I, I digress. So we're going back to the, the playoffs. You know, we have the semifinal game where Inter. I don't even know that that to call that a flop. Is 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 just is disrespectful to flopping. I agree. <laughs> I mean that that was that was the most shameful one of the most shameful. And you know what? And I, I know this probably isn't true, but when I watch them play the the when I watched interplay the rest of that game, I almost felt like they were like they were almost ashamed of themselves. Like they like they played so poorly. They played so poorly in that second. They played half. the second half self loading. I, I, I think they did. I mean, it really. I mean, that's how I felt when I watched them. Like they, they really, they don't like what happened, and they're not playing. I think that's pure projection. I think we were just so angry that it didn't matter what they did. <laughs> that's true. That's probably what. But that's what I'm gonna think. Ooh, I'm gonna think that they were so, that they were so ashamed of themselves. <laughs> that they just just went into a show. I mean, they should be. My favorite, one of my favorite moments of the season was Mason coming out of the locker room because he'd gone to, he got sent off. He had to go to the locker room. He showers. He's in a towel. Yes. And that Webby scores that goal off the Gabby cross, and Mason is standing in a towel. <laughs> celebrating with the players pumping his like trying not to jump in the pile because he's only wearing a towel i mean there's like you know four thousand people in the stands or whatever and he's he's you can tell trying not to jump in the pile of people because his towel's gonna leave him and he's just like he's the happiest guy on the field and you know he got jobbed in that game and so i'll make the argument he strikes me as a guy that wouldn't have been upset if the towel would have dropped <laughs> i don't know what he's packing that ain't what i'm suggesting <laughs> oh he's a showman yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> I don't think there's no. I don't think there's any shame in his game. No, I don't think so either. Well, I can tell you that that's the only positive emotional roller coaster for the CFC season that I took. Oh, bro, when to bring it back wow. down, <laughs> producer Jay? We're a sad trombone. You know what? I forgot which one it is. So it's been a while. I've been out of town. I've been working. Got married. Doing other things. Let's see. I'm gonna guess. Side note. Happy birthday, Jay. We're Happy record- birthday, Jay. We're recording on Wednesday night, well and it's Jay's birthday. No, that's birthday. not it. No, that's not it. Oh, my gosh. There you go. Uh, uh, you need a sad trombone. You're sad trombone. You need to put little stickers on your, on your, well, on I have, your, I, on your fancy. Wait, 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 wait. We can't criticize the lab. Oh, I know. The, <laughs> I know. Really. Guys, we're not. So, there's our lab right there in that little. So that every, little everybody else is negative to that point, but yeah, you can. If you, if you want to give me tips, man, apparently Juan was going to take over. At one oh yeah, time, we, so. we're we're they've actually been, they've been trying to out me speaking, for a while. Speaking of podcast allocation money, we're just we're ditching Jay at the end of the season and bringing in Juan Hernandez. Juan, is, Ho- hope yeah. everybody likes uh, cell phone audio. Do we need him on a P one visa for it? <laughs> I don't think we do. That's the team's fault. Does take, yeah, does he take up an international spot? What's the ruling? <laughs> he does, but we're going to buy one of those as well. We're not we're not professionally sanctioned, Fair. so we can do what so, we want. So we're a relatively new podcast, so we have a lot of extra podcast allocation money. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> oh, there's a few of you who are loving these jokes, uh, and you're my people. And there's a few yeah. of you who are like, screw these people. Are, yeah. Those people have turned it off by now. Yeah, no, there's yeah, no, no turning off. There's no turning off. Okay. <laughs> you're dedicated. You're it's dedicated. something you can't look away from yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay, so back to we <laughs> we take we take care of enter. We go into the Asheville game. Anything anything need to be said? How about, are you guys feeling about the Asheville game going into it? I had no, that, there good. Was, I figured I their legs zero, were good. I had zero doubt that we would win that match. I, I, I felt not, a lot better about playing Asheville than I than did Greenville. about Greenville. Ding, ding, Same ding, here. Ding, ding. Yeah, that, <laughs> absolutely. That yes, but I had no. I was not worried at all. I was like the few times I was never worried about that match. We can edit this part. What are you saying? Will you pass me the wine bottle? Yeah, <laughs> we're not. Uh, we're, we're not editing that at all. Hand signals don't work for producer Jay. Apparently, <laughs> we're not editing that out at all. Breeze, I can't Sorry. believe you just didn't say like, can you pass me the wine, please? All right. So we were you debating drinking it out of the bottle? <laughs> is naughty as that. So we finish. We finish, we, finish, we finish with that match, and uh, that's really. So we then we we make the trek down to Miami. Do what do we? How do we fit? I I was not confident about that game. I'll just be honest. If and, we weren't already completely exhausted, yes. Then then I th- I think Miami then I, I think Miami can be can be set up a little bit differently because we we I mean we're kind of set up to play. Like okay, Miami's going to have a bunch of the ball. They're going to be dangerous, but like our defense will probably be able to hold them during. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did, and, by and, the way, and the run yeah. and the run of play, and they did. Yep. And you know when we've got Allen Webb on the field, probably bringing Costa on, you know, in the second half as a substitute, like we're going to have a chance, like on on a break, probably to be able to do something. But the guys are dead at this point. I mean, they're absolutely yeah. absolutely. Le- Lima's yeah. Lima's hamstring by this point yeah. is it's taken all it could. And and it, it was and, on five percent. And it definitely did you know did not last thirty seven minutes. There was not uh, near enough horse placenta in his in his diet <laughs> oh, and or medical yeah. regime, unfortunately, to, to take care of that hamstring. So mm-hmm. if you guys remember, we lose Juan Sanchez mm-hmm. in the 29th yep. minute. We lose Lima in the thirty seventh minute. Yeah. Well, he I think he went down even earlier than oh, yeah, that. He did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like he hobbled around for yeah, like he, ten minutes. He gave, the, the, those he gave when, it the old college. Those try. are those are when the subs are though. Like I don't think you walk off a, a pulled hamstring. Yeah. Well, so it wasn't it wasn't a bad pull. What he told me when he got back was that he did pull it. He could have played through it. He did play through it for a while, but once he felt the second twinge, he knew that even if he could fight through the pain and be like 95% okay, if he, if it popped again, it was going to be a season ender. It was going to be like, I'm out for four months. And so he said like, that's when I called for a sub. I sat back down because I felt that second twinge. It, It was strained. It wasn't like, pulled fully but i was going to pull it if i kept playing what 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 you heard was a professional that had been playing for years knowing his body yeah like me as soon as i feel something oh sub (laughs) stretcher so ultimately (laughs) yeah yeah, official sub signal yeah so is this not that's it that's it we're the most most visual pot you guys the most visual visual podcast on audio we need need to get this camera set up in here oh no uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a, that's a season two project. For, we need uh, couches and boom arms first. True. Let's go. So I got boom arms. Miami scores <laughs> on a uh, on a set piece. On wait, wait, really we, sc- wait, we scored first. Yeah, uh, I was that already, was I was, that was discounting so. That. That let's was, let's talk about it though. That's gotta be the strangest. That was one of the st- more strange call. I mean, I, I nobody at the stadium knew what the hell was. Set the short. Set the scene. Set the scene. The call was right. Well, yeah, yeah but set no. Set but set the scene. What happened? 
Or you want me to tell the scene what yeah, happened? Yeah, Bre- yeah. Breezy, so, Breezy was about to say that there are no good calls that go against well, us. It's, You're it's, goddamn right. It's funny not. because we talked about not having a That's So NPSL segment, but here we go. So we, we did not do this one because it was a depressing one for That's So NPSL, but here's a little mini intra show in another show, That's So NPSL segment. Here's my problem with it. Fuller explained this to me, and, and this is, and I agree with him. The reason this call sucks so much is that we, they, she made the wrong call and then fixed it to the right call. Mm-hmm. That is that is 100% the correct outcome. However, the reason that outcome came about was because the Miami players as professionals bullied a referee that was not up to the task of being a good referee into changing her call. They She called it. She said, no, back to the middle. She ran off. They surrounded her. Well, they also surrounded the AR. And they, well, they surrounded both of them. Yeah. He he did not make a call. Mass confrontation. She then, she then eventually changed her call after consulting with this with the other referee but she was bullied by those players she let those players get if you make the wrong call your job as a referee is to be above the game and not let players bully you into changing your call she got they got her off her game clearly and that that's the part that's so frustrating is because even if her call was wrong and and she got the call right in the end so like the end of the game was correct it's a bummer that she was not at the right level to either own her own mistake because none of the other referees signaled her the linesman was not raising his flag he never raised his flag you can yeah, see no, him the yeah, entire no, time yeah, yeah I know he, he was ne- she she went and consulted with him we don't know what they said right. but he certainly didn't wasn't waving his flag to say hey he wasn't covering his mouth he wasn't i'm covering my mouth as i try to talk in a podcast <laughs> mike he wasn't covering his mouth to say like hey listen listen let me talk to you like let come over here come over here. he wasn't waving her over at w- because when someone waves you over or waves their flag or or says says covers their mouth and says something in the microphone they stop the players they say go to that side i'm going to talk to the other referee she didn't do that there's a full like three or four seconds there where she's signaling goal she's good we go celebrate the players surround her eventually she decides she's going to go talk to the other referee the, and then she either she reverses the call or he reverse he reverses the call. Either way, she was not up to the task of dealing with professional players, and that's a bummer. That's a bummer that that's how and, and that there's other calls in the game that are questionable because she wasn't able to handle the pressure. And at times, yeah, if you fair. think about it, somebody who would have been prepared probably would have made the right call in the first place. Potentially, but well, that's maybe not they really made her call. I mean, that's the AR. AR but neither one, neither one of those neither one of them made the call. Both of them got yeah. bullied into into changing. They, we had our own little version of VAR without a replay, and that's <laughs> yes, that's yeah. frankly that's bullshit. I was inebriated and ordered a brownie at the brewery right after that. <laughs> I think I ordered two actually at the same time. Screw it. I think I saw yours and I ordered two breweries. I I ordered two brownies. So (laughs) I I ate my sorrows away. uh, (laughs) So then they score. So yeah, so Miami scores in the, I don't know exactly when it was, I think mid seventies roughly. And uh, off of, off a set piece, Lloyd Sam takes a free kick from, yeah, sorry to say that was a, that was a key substitution. Basically, basically for midfield, when you can bring on Lloyd freaking Sam at halftime to change things up, I'm pretty sure he makes more money. By himself than our yeah. entire roster. To ask, uh, do he you, did, uh, including housing. Don't know if you know it off the top of your head. I mean, I know you've mentioned it before, but I mean, the payroll of that squad in general, like between one, my, and, one between yeah. one and two million dollars. Yeah, yeah. It, they think it was closer dollars. to they think it was closer to two, but oh, really? no one knows. That's what we were told. Uh, oh, some okay. of the so allegedly Lloyd Sam is on like four hundred thousand dollars a year. Not not gonna like totally choose to to go with an excuse, but that's a factor. Right, and, and fatigue was a factor. We played four games in seven days. Yeah, leading uh, up to yeah, that, it would, we it traveled. Would have, to, it would have been eight. 
That would have been the the fourth game in eight days. We had, we were down we were down two starters in the first half. It took it, the the a travel day that was supposed to be like nine hours total, which is a long travel day anyway. Took like fourteen hours because oh, of yeah. delays. Um, by the way, you want to know a real angry story that I guess I'll tell that one of the coaches told me. Um, yeah, do it. So they roll into practice. And, and Miami did everything they said. They showed they had balls prepared for them. They didn't have to take any of the team stuff down there. That was really nice of them. That was very professional. But guess who was sitting on the sideline with notebooks? The Miami coaches. The staff. entire Miami yeah. coaching Tech staff. <laughs> to watch, yeah, to watch CFC's practice. They provided the practice facility, but they let all of their coaches come and just sit on the sidelines. So CFC got to do none of a real game walkthrough. They just did basic drills to warm up and, and stay sharp because they couldn't reveal anything they were going to do for the game. So they had no chance to run because th- normally the day before a game you have a, a a game walkthrough where you set out your formation and you play your and you know what that's that's some bush league stuff. I mean, yeah, you took the words out. Know, I was from Miami, say total bush league. Wow. Yeah. So well, from that, the highest from the highest payroll in PSL. Yeah, from, well, from the highest payroll in the league, then to bust out a, a bush league move like that. That's and, and they so did, NPSL. And they deflated the balls too. <laughs> okay, let's, no, that was Tom. That was Tom Brady. <laughs> let's not go. Let's not go quite that far. <laughs> he came. He went all the way to Miami. Yeah. I appreciate that take. Though. But seriously, if there are any if there are any Miami folks listening to that, uh, there aren't. Well, pro- probably. I mean, but, but hypothetically, it, maybe. There, there's a better chance that there's a CFC fan in Miami. They don't. They don't need. They would need fans for that, Matt. So Ooh. what? Well, they all work. They, what, they all work for the team in the end. So, but what'll end up happening is someone's going to listen to this. One of like the ten people that do, and they'll probably get on Twitter in the next few days and say something that's fine and it'll eventually get back because lower division soccer twitter is you know rather small uh what? and i just want the miami folks to know don't pull that shit again <laughs> we're in an actual professional league and you better act like professionals instead of the amateur ass crap that you do Ooh, so get man. it together wow breach preach wow. burn but also thank you for an excellent stream that's also true the the only watchable npsl regular season stream on my kuju and some really good commentary too excellent commentary and then drops that little uh oh kartik shout out kartik oh kartik yeah that uh that appetizer at the end about you know like oh maybe we uh seeing chattanooga in the near future because we're like what do you say well (laughs) what rewind that let's all hang (laughs) on to that both hands oh kartik krish and i are former uh communications director for the old NASL and a very connected both in Florida politics and um, well, he has his opinions on Florida politics. Well, he he worked in in Florida politics before kind of transitioning over to the soccer world. Um, And and he's a great feed. He's a great follow on Twitter. It's true. All right, let's get back on the soccer. Uh, (laughs) So before we, before we break now that we're at the end, at the end of the NBSL classic season uh, before heading into the members cup, what do we want to talk about? Uh, what are some takeaways? What are we feeling about the the first main part of the season? At this point, we're at I think 19 games total. I still feel like we're we're dominant against lesser competition, and I thought we were going to have to take our game up a notch going going forward. And I thought that 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 we got a snippet of that that we dominated the teams we should dominate, with a few exceptions and lapses in yeah. uh, play here and there. Mm-hmm. But so then, business as usual, but right? Right. And and so we went to the playoffs. We we went to the playoffs. We took care of business at home, like I thought we should do, and yeah. it should be the expectation. And we did. And, and we I, ran into Miami because Miami and us were destined to meet early because of the way that the right. NBSL set up their. Yeah, it's like South two, it's like two one that. seeds meeting. Yeah, it really it really felt more like a semifinal than a regional, yeah. than like a, a national like a national semifinal than a regional. 
Yeah. So I'm gonna skip yeah. it. I'm gonna skip into the members cup for one second, then right back out because it applies to the MPSL season. When we got out of, I felt really good about the regular season overall. And then when we played the Cosmos at home and we were just as good as them, we were one. We can we can debate this in a minute, but in my opinion, we were one free kick away from being just as good as they were. Their ours hit the post, theirs didn't. Yep. I felt like we were a top four MPSL team in the country. And at that point, like I, I felt really I felt good already about our season, but I felt I mean, there was Miami United, Miami FC, Detroit during the regular season, maybe us and the Cosmos were the top yeah. five teams in the country, mm-hmm. and we got beat by the clearly best team in the country. I mean, Miami, I know the Cosmos like had some moments in that game, but they thrashed them for the most part, I felt like. Oh, yeah. And so I, I felt like we lost to the best team, and we gave them a better game than New York gave them. We gave them a better game than just about anyone else did, and we did it on short rest, you know, bad playing conditions, all these other things. And so I felt really, really good about the regular season, and then we can get to the Founders Cup in a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I'll echo what you said because I have watched – you know, I watched all of the playoffs. I, I watched all of the West Coast games. You're a crazy person. I know. I understand that. I was um, getting ready to say I admire that. Uh, <laughs> Admiration's a word. I I watched all those. I watched the you know the those games. I watched I watched the Christos play New York in their regional final, or whatever Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, and I, you're right. I mean, I think and that's why I think that that Miami CFC game was deserved. To be later on in the playoffs, but that's just the way the MPSL playoffs were. Yeah, I agree. So there was yeah, no I, shame in going out to Miami. Yeah, I've correct, and I and I felt I felt okay about the Members Cup going in. I still felt like, I mean, to be honest, I, I what I what I really thought was anything lower than second was going to be a disappointment, and that that's that's how that's how I felt going in, and uh, that's. You know, that's kind of how I, that's, you know, that's what I was moving into that first game against New York with the idea that, yes, this, the team we're playing first is going to be the team that will probably win this. Um, and I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, but I, I really thought we were, we would be a pretty strong second um, and fight it out a little bit with, with Detroit. Because, you know, I watched, I watched Detroit all through their playoff season and, and, and really felt like that we would match up well with them uh, when we met. Do you guys want to do some a few listener questions at the end of this kind of uh, before we transition into the yeah, members cup and, and our, that. our segment? Well, uh, yeah. I'm going to choose some listener questions that uh, will make more sense based on the regular NPSL season or something general. Yeah, not, not, yeah. Well, we're going to leave that one. Not out all of now. mine. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> not Tim. You're going to have to wait for the second part of this for your dumbass question. Uh, I'm I'm also going to leave out. I'm also going to leave out anything related to the roster or players. Uh, just Understood. so that we can get through the members cup before we start talking about yep. 2020. So let's do, let's start with this, with this first question. It's not really related to the NPSL uh, CFC season, uh, but I think it's an important topic that a lot of people have been asking about. A lot of people have been wondering about, uh, and I'm going to pose it even though I can probably help answer this, but I'll let other people start. Eric Young asks, will we have a women's team? So he doesn't give a date. No, he does not. That. So, will we have a women's team? Yes, but when? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to. I don't know if I'm going to get into. So, Breezy, you want to take this one? So, we have put together a bit of a project, um, a few of us, and, and that includes a member of the advisory board in Jonathan Hunter and a member of the actual executive board in, in Claire, and we are trying to f- figure out the feasibility and make a presentation to the executive board in 
examining the the opportunity to bring back the women's club in 2020 or to potentially bring it back, uh, get a commitment to bring it back in 2021. So there are ongoing conversations on behalf of CFC from some people that can make those conversations in, in Clara and Jonathan. And, and so we, there's been some conversations with several leagues. There are multi, actually multiple women's leagues out there. I didn't know that there's, I mean, I knew they existed, but there's two, um, in particular, and, and one that's looking to expand into this area. There's been some conversations with individual teams. There's been con- uh, all sorts of conversations locally um, with key stakeholders that would, you know, be a, a big part of it, as well as, you know, prominent members of the soccer community locally. And those conversations are ongoing. I, I genuinely don't have a prognosis. I can say there's been a lot of good things we've learned. There's been a lot of progress made. I, I, I don't know. I would love for us to have a women's team in 2020, and that is still my goal and my hope uh, as a part of that uh, conversation that's ha- going on. And that's not a secret conversation, by the way. This is just a, a thing that there's a group of friends that we've got together. We asked for permission uh, cl- to, to speak on behalf of CFCs. That gives us a little bit more ability to talk to a few different people. And then, obviously, Claire was involved at that point, and, and Jonathan and Jonathan and Claire are kind of spearheading it. But yeah, I think that we will genuinely have a women's team if we as fans and supporters put the onus on the team to keep their promise and to be blunt, keep their promise to bring a women's team. Um, If we let them off the hook, my personal feeling is if we say like, hey, it's okay, like we know things are complicated, so don't worry about it. Just get to it in the future. Um, We potentially the future ought not do not do to anybody's malicious intent, but the future could keep getting pushed back year on year because there's a whole lot of things every year to do, especially in the transition on the professional side of the men's game. Mm -hmm. So I believe that we need to keep the pressure on because not because we need to be, you know, pressuring our team, but because we need, this is important. And if we're not making sure that they, that the current ownership and current, not just ownership, but the current uh, managing directors feel that it is an important part of the club so that they'll hopefully implement um, or make it a priority. So cool. I have a question. Um, and it's for you guys, the masterminds of the four two three soccer pod. Do you guys have any pregame rituals or any superstitions? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You, you have you have podcast shoes. I do have podcast shoes, but those oh, are that's a superstition. Tell right? us about those. They're just they're just Adidas. Are you wearing them right now? No, I'm not wearing them right now. I thought about but wearing your shoes them right are now. cool. So. Yeah. So, though I have yeah, I he have would a pair ne- of Adidas. He would never wear his podcast shoes in in like a foreign like. Yeah, away. It's, it's like an away game. It's <laughs> like an away game. I'm not wearing. I'm not wearing them in the dank dungeon that we're in. I mean, That's I don't true. Know. I don't he was know. afraid they would get scuffed. I you didn't know this what? episode is going on your channel though. With yeah, with bags it's over your like head, you never. You don't know what you're gonna walk through. Like I get it. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. And there was no waterfall to go through, so they would wash them off. So I, you know, I. Well, we can create one for you to leave. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I want to jump on like just this question about the women's team. And and I think, I think we all agree we want a women's team, oh, right? Yeah. Yes, we do. I'll answer for you if you don't. <laughs> but at what expense? We understand like the transition in the men's game and how important it is to have a feeder system from the academy to the the uh, the first team. And right now there's a there's a huge component missing right there, and that's that under twenty three. And we cannot bring. We're losing those players right now. Like we bring them up through the academy, where do they go in the next four years while they're playing? You know, for their NPSL season, I, I I struggle with this 
the one side of me is like, if I have to choose between those two, where am I at with that? I, I know what society wants what me to say. What do you mean between the U23 and the women's If team? I had to pick, yeah. like, there's one spot it's going to fall right in between the spring season and the fall season. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. We can only fill it with one. What are we doing? So I'll, I'll, I'll pose a question to you. Why is it only one? Why is it only one what? Why is it why, why either a U23 or Why can't we do both? Team? Why can't you do both? If it comes down from 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 CFC, from the FO, that we only have the funds to do one in 2020, maybe it's a money thing, That's or maybe it's a manpower thing, uh, but they're like, we can only do one. I just see it. I just see that. I don't know why. I see the under 23 is like a huge missing piece in that path to pro that maybe – a player can find somewhere. Did you else. just say path to pro? I you was know. I wasn't gonna say. I'm gonna leave. You, so you want to make that trade? <laughs> uh, so no, no matter what, I, yes, I I I hate uh, I hate to use that buzzword, but you. at the same time, you know who's hearing that word? Yeah, the players, players coming players, up, yeah. and it matters. Yes. Okay, so I disagree, and I think I'm shocked. <laughs> Well, well, actually, actually. well, yes. well, actually, delight, <laughs> <laughs> uh, delight. So, go ahead. I mean, t- yes. Please argue me out of this to where I'm like okay with it not being there. So you start, I'll finish. You, you talk about how how these these youth academy players like are missing a transition period, but but at the end of the day, they have something to look forward to. They have a goal, and it's playing for the first team, now a professional team. What do the women's players, the girls in the academy, have to look forward to? There is no next thing for them. And I think if we're choosing one, and in in an ideal world, we're choosing one to start first, and we add the other one later. I think it makes sense, especially if we we want to be a club for, for all people. Of of all stripes of all kinds, and if we want to claim to be a truly inclusive community based club, we have to have uh, as soon as possible. We have to reestablish the women's team. Just from a a, a simple, I don't know if fairness is, is is the right word or not, but I think it needs to be a priority. Obviously, men's games are are hugely important because the 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 men's first team. Is, is the thing that got everything started. And without it, all these different pieces, including the Academy, including the Foundation, including OGA, uh, they all, you know, Highland Park Commons. CSM. CIS, CSM now. The Chattanooga Football League. They all, they all lose, like, their, their North Star. They don't exist. And alongside of that, we need to reestablish the women so that we give the same opportunities and the same chances for girls in the academy to look up look up to something. Yeah, and I, and I, th- I I think if 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 you were you know taught if you were to make me choose one or the other, I mean I think the right answer is we need both, but uh, for for a variety of reasons. But I would probably lean towards the women's team immediately. I do want to say to to Todd's point, it's, I think it's more than just the academy having a next step. Um, because that, to be honest right now, our older, our older Academy teams, I can say this cause my son's on the, on the O2 team don't really have a lot of players that are going to be moving on to, to that U23 level right now. I mean, I, I, that, that team lost a ton to another club that I won't name. And, and so I, 
but you know, you and I have talked about this. That's that's one thing that I think the you know the Red Wolves have done well, and is that placing that team in Dalton and having that having that that layer there. Uh, and I do think it's important for us to get there. I do think it's important for us to get there in MPSL for a number of reasons. One, I as a CFC fan recognize that we owe MPSL a lot. Now we like to make fun of them. Then you know, God bless them. Just because it's easy. It's yeah, God bless them. But you know. They we owe that we owe that league a lot and and we do. I mean, do they owe us more or do we owe them more? Well, it's it's there's 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 some there's back and forth. There. I, yeah, but I, I feel I feel a, a certain loyalty loyalty to that league, and I know what's happened to it over the last, especially in our in our conference, in our conference, and so that that is where my heartstrings get pulled i i you know i i don't know if we if we were able to come out and say we're not we're going we're going to nisa but we will have a team in npsl next season does the southeast lose Asheville? maybe so because i know they've got other things going on but but maybe not but maybe not and and maybe we don't maybe they, maybe the southeast has a has a place if we if we had dropped if we had dropped an immediate team for next year knowing that north alabama the huntsville team was coming in maybe Asheville thinks they can stick around for another Correct. year and and keep maybe. evaluating their options so that here's that, here's the other thing i, I want to consider though back in favor of the women's team knowing that that player development's important for the men and and that there's value in a u23 team yeah i, I don't think anyone here is in things that we shouldn't have a U23 team. Correct. Yeah, I just want to be on record. I, I want both. Yeah. yeah. If you make me pick, I'm picking women's team 100%. Here's yeah. here's what I will say. On the on the list. About <laughs> about the U23 team. I don't think in terms of in terms of player movement, let's say academy to college bouncing back and forth between the U23 team in the in the summer, going back to college back and forth, there just aren't going to be a lot of people Name. That are able to pull that off all the way up, and if you have a really, really good academy player, who's actually warranting, even at eight, eight, age eighteen, going, you know, getting first team looks, we're probably going to look to try to sign them to the first team, especially if we've been established for a couple of years on a long term deal, so that we can sell them and make money off of them. You're going, you're, you're thinking you're going to sign an eighteen year old. If they if one's good enough and they want to forego college to play in a professional environment year round, hell yeah. I, I would I would argue that you've already had one get through. I mean, Omar Hernandez is that caliber of player. Was he already going to college though? He'd been signed for Wake Forest for years. Yeah, but still. Yeah, I'm just saying that was I mean, the, we, that was that was one. You know, I, that was one specifically. I think I we, think we, about we might have been we might have been a, a year or two behind being able so. to pull that off. I think so. And but name. Here's the thing. Name the last CFC Academy. We're, we're currently an MPSL team in in this conversation, right? I mean, we're transitioning to a NISA team, but we're an MPSL team. Name the last two Academy players that have played for CFC Academy that have played for CFC. Oh, so the Maca- this is going to be a long way back. I feel like this is going to be like a Drew, 20, Drew a, Viscomi. Yeah, the Macaulay. Okay, uh, one more. Yeah. There's one more. What? How many games did Drew have? I I don't remember him playing one. Did he play more than one? Exactly. Uh, I think it's. I think the answer is like one is almost played, like a guest he, appearance. He played two friendlies and then he played the regular season away the entire game except for I think he subbed out close to the end at Atlanta last okay. year. Okay. Okay. And that and that was last the Atlanta year? game that was the day last after year. Okay. the okay. the away Georgia Revolution game. Yeah. So so that's one. Who's the other one, Matt? I know you got this. Oh man, oh, this has got to be a circuit. He's a goalkeeper. I feel like it's twenty eleven ish. 
No, this was 20... No, 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 no. This was 2015, 2016. Uh, 2016, 2016. Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper played at the end of the game, allowed a goal to let Tigris tie it up. Oh, no. Um, Plays for University of Alabama and Birmingham. James Teal. Nailed it. So those are your two academy players to come out of CFC Academy and play for our MPSL team. Uh, My point being that I want a U23 team to groom college talent out of our out of the area and pull them not in our area though to pull them out of the whole United States to say this is your chance to get in early to get on to CFC for us to get a look at you as a college player but it's not like we got college no. players coming out of Chattanooga you know pounding down our door Omar Hernandez is one of the top college players in the country that's one high school players high school excuse me high school players going into college that's one player he would have played for us for a year. I would love for us to have a U23 team, but we don't have the talent to justify one that say we're missing this path to pro pipeline thing. Unless there's a, we're an MPSL team now. They're not even making our practice squad. The re, the reality is so we're I, also going to we're also going to go up against uh, two two kind of juggernauts and two hours uh, of direction either way from us. With with Atlanta and Nashville in MLS, yeah. you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push this conversation back because I think we can do an entire episode on nothing but the future and the 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 whole system, looking at it and development and what kind of role that's gonna play. I love it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think I think because I, I think I think that that rabbit hole goes deep and yeah. and it, and I think it plays to the longer picture of the sort of the viability of the club. I think yeah. I think you're spot on. We 100%. should definitely. Do a thing on that. Let's let's plan that for the off season sometime. Sorry. Let's do uh, two more questions. Okay. Do it. Let's do them quick. Twenty, then, 20 second yeah. answers. Okay. So Andrew. Hi. Uh, what? Who? Uh, <laughs> Breezy. Oh here. Oh, oh okay. I, okay. I'm ready for this. <laughs> I mean, my mom named me Andrew. You can call me Andrew. All right. You have a particular opinion about Jim that I think is <laughs> is uh, needs to be fleshed out a little bit. Jim, we have a problem. Why? Why should Jim no longer be able to vote on team of the week polls or team of the month polls for Nisa? Jim, Jim, buddy, yeah, buddy. So let me let me explain to you how these polls work, and then yeah. if it's not apparently if it's not immediately apparent, I'm going to yell at you some more. Okay. Um, <laughs> so th- the way these polls work uh-huh. is that you only have to vote yeah. for a mac a minimum of one player total. Yeah. Every vote for any other player on the entire list. Yeah. Is for. Wait, wait. Are we? Are, don't open that without. Like Continue permission. to talk, but Matt thought it was already open. Oh, uh, so yeah. tried to pour it. So, okay. laughing, yeah. um, so you could you, when you're picking teams, any any vote for anyone else goes against CFC. So uh-huh. what you have to do, in yeah. my opinion, right. and, which is obviously the correct opinion, uh-huh. is to pick only CFC players and right. just click on through, because you can just vote for two or three people, yeah. and those votes only go to them, and there's no extraneous votes for stupid people from Detroit. Or New York, or okay. Milwaukee, or wherever that Pontiac is. Yeah, yeah. Is that all you got? <laughs> is that it? That's are, that's that's the beginning you, of it. Are you done? That's the okay. beginning you, of you, it. Listen, you, I did limit it to like a twenty second response. Also, so. also, you did say you watched all the other games and voted on who you thought was best. Yeah, which is also just a bad decision. Why? I mean, the rest of those teams were trash. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to argue against that. I'm just saying, I'm just going to point out, and this will encapsulate my whole opinion because we're probably not going to agree, but that is there has never been a bad call that went, uh, that any call that went against CFC that was a good call or any call that went for CFC that was a bad call. Just right. remember that. Yeah, Understood. so I'll just I'll just say um, nobody gives a 
rat's ass about the these elevens. So I don't. I mean, except I'm just you gonna, apparently. No, I mean, I just like to. I just like to vote for the players that I think are that think are the are the best eleven. Jim so has this. The Jim has that. this thing that the rest of us. It may be foreign concept. He calls it integrity. <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I just, you know, yeah, I have what's called. I, I, I do too, and you guys get mad at me for it. There are play, there are there are players on other teams Actually. that I that I think can play the game. So, False. Yeah, I understand. Who? I understand no, that makes me. Uh, no one. No one not wearing blue is uh, an acceptable choice for any team of the week owner. Okay. All right, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up this section of the pods um, by our with our final question. Yeah, so this um, comes off of one of my skills, which is beer drinking. Um, I want to know your guys' favorite beer at Chat Brew um, after a win, yeah. but then also after a loss. I mean, I only drink really. I only drink one beer there. I mean, I just I just have one beer and I do I go to it and I drink it. Which one is that? Chestnut Street. So same. Yeah. Chestnut, pretty solid. Chestnut brown. Yeah, the oh, chestnut yeah. brown. That's you know I I oh, do yeah. I do I do want to try I I, I want to try the the um uh the what is it the nectar the uh, the new nectar. nectar yeah the new nectar. Gypsy nectar. Circus yeah but Shout out. Cool, yeah. cool one of the coolest cans I've ever seen yeah it is it's well but, done but I, every time I think about it I still just pull the trigger and get the brown ale. I, I'm a sure brown ale is just where I where I tend to I'm the exact same yeah yeah so no no it's chestnut? a chest it's a chestnut for me yeah I get. I might get wild and no, I don't. It's always the same. <laughs> yeah, Jay. And, and if there was if there was a if there was a stout, then I might do a little half and half with that gotcha. brown. Oh, but it's not a bad ooh. idea. Yeah, I get but when I get wild, I pair it with the pretzel plate. Hey, hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get into I get into the Dijon. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, I'll join both of you. Uh, chestnuts, my favorite. Um, I don't like to drink a lot, like in one sitting. Yeah. So I don't like to like like if I was to drink a chat of hooligan, I would I would have to drink like five or six, but like two chestnuts. Oh yeah. I'm good. I'm not yeah. driving home. I'm Ubering. Pee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it's extra cold. Like right when they tap it, man, that stuff is good. What yeah, about it's good stuff. Breezy? So so I or I tip Smith, or, sorry, I almost called you Smitty. Miss you, Smitty. Who? Who? <laughs> Got him with his own Got him right. with his own joke. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so I I tend to just stick with the chat of hooligan. Just to keep keep it light, keep it easy. Yeah. Um, I almost always go with the chicken tenders oh, um, yeah, chicken. afterwards. Yeah. Um, that honey mustard. I was, I, I was real mad for a long time when they didn't have them. Uh, and I basically didn't eat there at all until they brought them back. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just usually the, the Chattahooligan and, and the Chickpock. What like, about you, Breezy? You just, you just, you just, you just, you just made me realize like why I always go with the pretzels. The pretzel because I carb load and I crave carbs when I'm stressed. Mm. So really, what and I'm you're always stressed and, every, and game. I, every game. I'm like I'm just over there eating that pretzel, like trying to get some comfort. Yeah. Uh, I tend to, I don't go with the same one every time. I, if they've like the Goza, for example, was so good, and then the uh, Oktoberfest when when they so anytime they have a seasonal, I tend to, to gravitate to that. But uh, the Chattahooligan this year they changed they tweaked the recipe again a little bit, and it was just. So good, so perfect during the hot months, and I, I usually only have because I, I jump around all game and I'm really dehydrated. I usually only have one, maybe two, and the Chattahooligan just really hits the spot for me after most games. But again, I got the Goza after every game that was available, and I got the Oktoberfest after every game that that was available. So it, I, I'm not real loyal. Breezy, didn't you and I also uh, hammer a bunch of those Wayne's White cans? Oh, uh, and the Wayne's when, White cans were two dollars. They were two bucks. You're, you're. So I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a beer whore. I admit. <laughs> 
We definitely were trying to do our civic duty to, to clear out the cans so that they could do some other things. So we all answered that, right? Yeah. We all answered. Yeah. So Not that anybody cares about what Breezy thinks, but... Uh. Yeah, because he's wrong. I mean, it's the chestnut. That's all you need. It I don't is, really... Hey, could, the chestnut's delicious. I'm going to get one next time now that you guys yeah. have said all this. They could, yeah, they could really just have that, and I, w- I would be fine with it. And on the on the subject of the Chattanooga Brewing Company, we do want to, at least Todd and I want to thank them for allowing us to record there after the home matches. It's, it's been nice. Although it's been a little... Um, it's been a little challenging to... to deal with the the music in the background it's but, got its challenges but, <laughs> but i feel like the overall the ambiance of the place and the vibe it gives yeah. after games and like doing the post match after that yeah it's, it's really cool so there's a certain authenticity to that yeah, especially yeah. if you're a real fan listening and you know what it's like to go to the game after and and, and we we need to figure out some way to and when to you're in dire players. need of authenticity it's it's where we need to be as the only professionally sanctioned uh <laughs> podcast <laughs> in the room <laughs> So we, okay. we we do really appreciate that, and also that because the Chattanooga Brewing has, has helped us with our post match ramp, but we also have another group of folks who have helped us with our main podcast, which is what you're listening to now, Todd. Yeah, a uh, uh, special thank you to Dose Bros for uh, helping make uh, the Four Two Three Soccer Pod possible. Uh, remember to uh, visit your favorite Dose Bros, and remember to eat local and ball local. I like the one that's right by Imbibe with the CFC sign. Absolutely. It's by far my favorite place to go. Uh, Way better than Chipotle. Sorry, Nick. Yeah, really. <laughs> Chipo who? Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, That's I, what I, I said. Like, How can you even have that conversation when one is an official sponsor, like, an owner of CFC, and the it, other one just is terrible. isn't? Yeah, and the other one's terrible. The other one, <laughs> and, 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 and the, the other, other one's just terrible. And the other one's on Gun Barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the other one has food uh, supply chain issues. Yeah. One of them does. I don't well, know which one you guys are talking about. At least it's not some of that pork barrel spending. Shout out, Dose Bros. All right. So, so oh, I, and can I a quick uh, be on the lookout? So, one of the things that we we hung up at Chattanooga Brewing was we had a banner. <laughs> okay, we had this banner made because like we just wanted to hang it up. Like we thought it was cool. So, Isn't that part of the uh, professional podcast standards? It was have a banner. It was. You have to have a banner. You have to have a three and a half by three and a half banner. It's part of the sanctioning process. You guys wouldn't know about that. <laughs> Factually correct. Yes. So anyway, it went missing. <laughs> Do we think that was a fan or a hater? Uh, I think it was one of you guys, actually. That's what, that's what, that's, I was so, actually... So I've, I've already asked, asked Matt about thought this. thought it was one so, of us. So they, I was they, really hoping it was like some cheeky shenanigan by you guys. I was like... Out of my back I was like just right pull it out of the closet right now. I was, right now. I was like... I was like, I know those jack wagons got it. Open no, up the, they do. Open up that closet; it's hanging there. There's not enough room in the dungeon. Having to said keep that, it. I'm about to look in the closet. I'm about to look in the uh, all the casks in the uh, dungeon down here. Know where you guys are hiding it. A lot, of, co- I a lot think, of cobwebs. I started thinking about it, though from the time that we hung it to the, we noticed it was missing. Like uh, I think Detroit had been through there. Cosmos had been through there. Like there had been some folks through there from opposing teams. But nothing's shown up on Twitter. Like, if you're going to take something, at least show it off. Maybe they're waiting for, for Nisa. Maybe so. Savages. Just, yeah, you, savages. You, you see it hung on the front of a section, a section, uh, uh, excuse me, a um, 43 soccer pod, or on a, on a pole would be even better. Yeah, two, a, two, really funny. a two stick. A two stick. Anyway, I, I, I honestly, I hope it's some story like that with as opposed iron, to, as opposed to like, logo, you know, the, as opposed arrows to arrows like, stretched through it. Yeah. Oh, as opposed to a lame story like, uh, we were doing some work in the building and we put it in the back and we can't find that's, it. Yeah, we that's for sure what happened. Yeah. Yeah, yes, that's that's yeah. it. We're not, imp- we're probably not in 
important enough. So uh, thank you once again. Remember, there's a part two coming up uh, of this. We're going to talk about the uh, Members Cup. So we're, we're, not, uh, we're not forgetting about it. So you'll need to tune in to the Section 109 podcast. Thank you for hosting us this evening. Uh, so once again, you can pick us up uh, anywhere you find decent podcasts. We're there as well, as Jim likes to say. Uh, this is Todd. You can find me at Great Footballer on Twitter. And this is Jim. Uh, you can also block me or follow me or mute me uh, at, at Chattagooner on Twitter. Uh, make sure you check us out on wherever you get good podcasts. Give us a rating. Uh, say some bad stuff about Todd or Matt. Um, and uh, But just, just give us a rating and, and check us out. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and go CFC. Go Blues. Oh, Strada there, uh, with a cheeky goal.